Hey everyone, doing something a little bit different today. This is a true Collect Cash podcast episode where I get the privilege of talking to a fellow finance YouTuber as we get to know more about him. If you haven't heard about Investing Sensei, his channel link will be listed below. He's racked up just under $200,000 in his various portfolios, and he's only in his 20s. Did I mention that he's made all these great gains in only just a year of investing? Find out how he did it today. Make sure you've hit that like button for the algorithm, you're subscribed, and comment if you want more videos like this, and let's get started. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Back with my first ever episode of the Collect Cash podcast with Investing Sensei. Yeah, I really want to thank you for, uh, you know, just spending your time with me and just we're going to get to know a little bit about you and your background and uh, really happy for the viewers here. So we'll get into uh, our first question here, Investing Sensei, and that is, uh, and, you know, just just so the viewers are aware, like you're kind of like me too, where, you know, we're, we're kind of both anonymous. We don't really share too much about our personal lives. So I feel like that just works best for this uh, podcast that we have going right here. Yeah, well, recently I revealed my face. <laughs> yeah, guys, check him out. He, he's a total stud. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Sensei, you know, how did you get into investing? Like, wh- you know, what age were you when you started? Uh, so I think I was, so I'm, I'm 28 right now. And I, kind of like towards this age now I uh kind of forget around what age I'm actually at uh but I think I was like 27 right around so I started at 2019 January right after the correction in December and so I got in at a really good time whoa that's crazy so I've actually I'm I'm only 24 and I only started investing I started investing when I was 21 but you've you've actually started after me, but your portfolio is like much bigger than mine. So like when you were working, did you just like put all your money into the bank? Yeah. So a lot of people are going to hate this and I hate it too. Um, so I basically graduated and then I, I really like to like just save up, but I wasn't really aware of like inflation or any of that kind of stuff. So all I would do would put my money in the savings account. That's all all my paychecks. And so like, I also have another job in the weekends that I also go and work. All that money would just go into the savings account, which is kind of really dumb. I finally like watched some YouTube videos uh, and that kind of inspired me to, uh, you know, start investing. And I learned about inflation. And at that point, that's where all my money from my savings account left. Uh, Only thing I have is like an emergency fund. You you watched Citizen of the Year, right? That's how you got started. Yeah, yeah, I did. Because <laughs> like, I feel like for me personally, I never like learned about investing at all in school. It wasn't until like after I graduated college. And, you know, I majored in accounting. That's like business related. But we never talked about stocks for the most part. So I felt like for me, it's something that I had to take that initiative and just learn on my own. So do you feel like you in your life, did you have people helped you with investing or was it something you just had to pick up on your own? I guess like the, the stocks themselves are like something really intimidating, especially like for taxes purposes. And that, that's one of the reasons why I kind of stayed away. Actually, my brother, my, so I have a younger brother. He's one year apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually, one of his friends got him into investing. And so he actually started a year before me. And so he kept telling me like, hey, go ahead and invest and do this. But I was too afraid, you know, to me, I, the stock market was something that was like the big, you know, picture that everybody would always say like, no, you're going to lose money, especially if you don't know what you're doing. And I didn't know what I was doing. Right. Yeah. And so I was just like, I'm going to put my money in there. 
my hard earned money and then I'm just going to lose it. But uh, <laughs> I was, for some reason, after I learned it, I think it was the monk way. It was a YouTube yeah. channel and like he talked about inflation and just that video clicked. And from there, I was like, what am I doing with my savings account? <laughs> yeah. I definitely remember the monk way. I think it's, I think he stopped posting around the time you started investing. So what if you guys yeah. are like the same person? <laughs> oh yeah, we might be. <laughs> Even around your family, like, are you kind of known as an investor or? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's me, my brother. I have another brother as well. We just got him. He just turned 18. Well, he's actually just turned 19. So basically he turned 18 and last March. So when the market crashed mm -hmm. uh, and we got him to open a Roth IRA and like he right now he's up massively with his gains obviously he doesn't have a lot invested but still those gains are just going to compound and especially by the time he's 28 10 years from now mm -hmm. he's going to be living the good life <laughs> yeah no it's it's great like you know you kind of got that you're kind of building that generational wealth and you know you're getting your family involved in it too uh, you know, I mean, even though I started investing when I was 21, like my only regret now is like, man, why didn't I start when I was 18? In college, I just had so much money just sitting in the bank. Oh, was, yeah. <laughs> and I see like the prices of like Amazon, you know, back in 2014, that's when I started college. I was like, wow, I could have gotten in at Amazon, Google at these prices, just held them, <laughs> could have easily paid off my student loans. Yeah, I know. Like, I wish I, I was like, man, somebody should have taught me this when I was 18. Cause you know, just from the past two years that I've invested, I've gotten really, really good returns. I can't, can't imagine like, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, definitely. We know that you got like a hundred K plus portfolio. Do you want to share like, like what career path that you took to, you know, to get all those excellent gains? Uh, so I watched citizen of the year is how I got those gains, but <laughs> No, but um, yeah. So, so the career that I'm in is uh, my actual title is computer engineering, mm -hmm. but really at work I'm more of like just a software developer, uh, and so I basically just do more of like infrastructure work. This is like Python, uh, Groovy. This kind of like Java, Jenkins. So it's like really cool. Yeah. No. So is that that's a career that you had to go to school for four years? Yep. It was it was a bachelor's. Nice. Yeah. So for me, I do like accounting work and I was able to get that also in four years. That's pretty rare. I feel like a lot of, you know, my friends who did go to college, a lot of them are in school, you know, eight years, six to eight years. And I'm like, man, I, I just couldn't do it. Like, you know, school is just so expensive these days and, you know, tracking up student loans. I'd I feel like I could just put that towards like investing or, you know, a side gig. Yeah. Um, I, for mine, I, um, I was actually, it took me, how many years did it take me? I think it took me like six years to actually finish my four-year degree. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, so were you, were you uh, full-time or part-time? Yeah. So I, I was kind of like part-time. Yeah. So, so on the weekends I would work as in a restaurant. And so it actually took me six years to uh, get my bachelor's degree, which is more like just a four-year degree. Mm -hmm. And so in the weekends I would work at the restaurant, uh, Monday through Friday, I would take about two to three classes. And so there were engineering classes, so they were kind of pretty tough. Basically, they would take most of my time. So uh, I would do that. And I also co-opted with uh, the company that I'm actually working with right now. So they were able to offer me a job about a year before I graduated. So that was really, uh, you know, exciting and motivating to uh, try to graduate. 
Nice. Yeah, no, my, my company does a co-op as well. So you, did you get, did you get paid for doing the co-op? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I got paid every term as well. Like one of the cool benefits about it, it was like when I co-op the full term, uh, I would just have to work the 40 hours every week and they would actually pay for one of your classes. And so like the school that I went to, it was like about a thousand three hundred dollars of class. Okay. So that was pretty expensive. That's not even including books. You know, usually your grade for that class was a midterm, a final. And then like, well, your midterm was like 30 to 40, well, 40% of your grade, a final was 30%. So then they would give you like a 10% quiz and then the rest, either a project or homework. So it was pretty challenging. Uh, you know, that's something I wish like more and more schools did was that they had like a combination of, you know, the books and, you know, coursework, but then you also had like real world experience. I know com- like my company, I-, I know they would love to have like college students. You probably get to pay them a lot cheaper, but they do get actual experience and work done. I don't know why more schools don't do this. You know, they should have partnerships with companies. Um, I feel like, you know, we talk about all this to like, you know, how are we going to get student loans and, uh, you know, debt lower? I feel like that's, you know, a great, you know, great way to do that, especially because a lot of people, they don't even know like what they actually want to do when they're in college. So, I mean, feel, I feel like it's the best of both worlds. Like some of the co-ops that work at my company, they're only like freshmen, sophomore. So, I mean, it's, it's better that you experience the co-op program now than you do all the years of college and then you realize you don't like that career. Yeah, I think that's a really good valuable tip you gave there and especially because also the other thing about the co-op program that you benefit is that you get a job offer. They're like, "Hey, we already invested in this person. You know, while they paid you, we're going to, you know, offer them a job once they graduate, you know." And it's really nice knowing that you have a job as soon as you graduate then to get your bachelor's and then you have to look for a job. And then uh, if they're not hiring, if you don't have any experience, the next thing that companies will tell you is like, oh, hey, you've been out of school too long and uh, you need to go back. <laughs> yeah, it, that's just crazy. And yeah, it, it definitely, even if you don't get a job at that particular company, like that's, not, that's still like real world experience you can put on your resume. So mm-hmm. um, just want to transition now. So <laughs> I know you're like me, you own a bunch of different companies like in your portfolio. And, you know, I, this is something I've struggled with a lot too, is like, you know, I kind of have that shiny object syndrome. Like every time I hear about a stock, I'm like, oh, I need to buy it. It was the best stock ever. Just want to kind of go through, you know, what's your process and mindset when you buy new company? Typically, this is more, it'll, it'll be, if it's something that I keep hearing a lot and often, um, or like there are products that I use, mm-hmm. then that's when I kind of like, it, it clicks and I'm like, hey, I'm going to look into this company. And a lot of it that I really like to use is seekingalpha.com. Usually the way that I look at it is that I'll look at the balance sheet. I'll look at their fundamentals and think about it from, you know, 10, 20 years from now, if there'll be a company that is going to be here, you know, if they have a moat that not another company is just going to come in and wipe them out, especially because like when we have a market correction or a market crash, like, you know, last March. Uh, it actually excites me to go and put more money in it than to panic and be like, Hey, should I not even be in this company? Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely great advice. I know like, you know, there's companies like Johnson and Johnson, you know, 3M, those, those companies have been around for over a century and they, you know, there's been so many more harder hit 
areas of our life than just C-19 in the past year. Johnson & Johnson 3M, they've been through like world wars, uh, you know, great depressions, and they've still survived. They've still paid dividends during those years. They've been profitable. Um, so yeah, that's definitely kind of how I started too, is that, you know, I bought these companies that I've heard of uh, that had great track records. And as you mentioned, kind of have that moat into my portfolio, but it also seems, I think one mistake that I made when I started was I went a little too, I think I went a little too defensive. You know, I almost didn't buy stocks into my portfolio unless they paid a dividend. Now I'm, I've kind of shifted away from that and I've been buying a lot more growth stocks. So to you kind of what's your balance between finding like a, a right mix of both, you know, defensive growth, uh, speculative, um, so I actually have three portfolios. And so I have an M1 portfolio, which is basically just dividend growth. And right now I only I have two companies that don't pay a dividend, which is Tesla and Neo, but I just feel like they've been beaten down so much that I think I'm gonna make really good gains from it a couple years from now. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna leave those there. But I have that portfolio that all its purpose is every week. I contribute $100. And so that's where I can continue to dollar cost average. And, you know, I have these scripts that will tell me like, hey, you those $100 that you put in and any dividends that got paid out, this is how much you increased your, you know, projected annual income. And that's kind of like what my goal is, because the my, my stocks will continue to go up and down, you know, fluctuate over time. But what I want to see is that passive income go up because I, I actually want to live off of that eventually. Yeah, um, that, I think that's the goal for all of us. Yeah, yeah it's uh, so yeah, I've seen your gains because you you know you're you're very transparent with what you you know put out there and your gains. I at least on M one, I think I was looking today, it was like double what the S and P five hundred has returned, right? Yeah, it's uh, I don't know how. I, I think I just got at the best time investing, and I just continued putting a lot of money in it because I, I, there are companies that I'm really bullish on, and if they go down, like I'm like, man, I'm getting a discount on this. And so, like, I think it was Apple, Skyworks, um, NVIDIA. NVIDIA, when it went to, like, 130 140 I was buying it, and it's at, like, $500 a share. So, like, I think uh, total, I put, like, $6,000. It's worth, like, over 20000 now. And that's where most of the gains are coming from. Wow. It's it's crazy because, you you know, you said you started investing right when, you know, C19 started. That that was the best time to get started. But if, if, if people remember back then, you know, people thought like the world was ending, like they thought, you know, the stock market would never recover, that we were headed toward economic collapse. Um, so for you to be able to be a, uh, you know, beginner and get in at these stocks at those prices, man, that, that's just insane. Yeah. And I guess just to answer your question about the growth. um, So I have also a growth portfolio, which is mostly just in fidelity. I basically have like, I guess, better gains than my dividend growth portfolio. And that's because I have companies like Tesla and like I was buying that company back when I was like a $200 one before the stock split. That that portfolio is kind of like, hey, I'm going to leave it, see what happens. Uh, Those companies are going to grow over time. And then uh, I have a Weeble portfolio, which I basically run the wheel. And what I want to do with that is collect premium because I want to be able to replace my nine to five job. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the amount of money that you've been making on the on that Weeble account, man, that that replacing the nine to five job might come sooner than later. <laughs> yeah, my goal right now is to get to $1,000 a week. 
I'm getting kind of close, but right now I'm kind of like back holding. I have like 300 shares of Neo. I'm in that boat with you. I think my average cost on a put of Neo was like $58. And then of course it, it just continued to collapse after, but I, I mean, I believe in Neo in the long run. So I think it's going to eventually get back up, you know, into like the $60 range. Yeah. I, I think uh, we'll probably hit 80, 80 to a hundred dollars eventually. So what's going to suck is that, you know, like I sell covered calls on it and my shares are probably going to get taken away and I'm going to regret doing that. <laughs> yeah. I guess it depends on how far you put out that, uh, that, that expiration date. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that gets us into our next question, which are, you know, what have been some of your, your best investments and what have been some of your worst investments so far? I guess for my best investments, I think it has been Tesla. Tesla. Yeah, that. I mean, I'm super bullish. I don't, I'm. I guess I also got really good at lucky at the time when I invested. I, I invested before it started rallying up huge. Yeah, that has been my best investment. I think my worst investment, I would probably say Wells Fargo. So <laughs> yeah, because they they cut the dividend and then the stock fell like heavily, right? Yeah, it was like a forty or forty five dollars a share, and then they cut the dividend to like eighty by eighty percent or something. And then uh, it just that stock tanked really bad. Yeah, I I guess that's you know like when you own so many stocks, like that's it's just bound to happen. Like statistically, like not every everything is going to be a home run. <laughs> yeah. I should have just put my money into JP Morgan. Yeah, you you win some, you lose some. Have you uh have you looked into the the Jeppy JP Morgan uh like covered call ETF? Oh no, I haven't looked at it, but I know Dave always talks about it. Yeah, I've been trying to do like the challenge where you own like a hundred shares of uh the, the three main like different covered call ETFs, like uh, QILD, uh Nusi, and then Jeppy. Oh no, Dave talks about Nusi. Joseph Carlson talks about uh Jeppy. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, no, I think, I think those are great to just have like just some passive income. Like I feel like, you know, cause right now I have money in the bank. It would just be better <laughs> in those, in these high yielding uh, covered call ETFs. I mean, I like the strategy that they're running and try, you get a little bit more diversification. So yeah, in terms of like some of my worst and best investments, uh, I, I bet like, I bet you could not guess what my best investment is. It's actually like a company that I see very few YouTubers own. I'm going to have to say Square because I sold out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, unfortunately, I bought Square at like more of its all-time highs. The best investment is actually uh, Applied Materials. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think Ryan Giffen owns it as well. I'm not sure how many other YouTubers own it. Hmm. Uh, But that that has just been taking off. It's a semiconductor uh, manufacturer. They pay a pretty small dividend, but that one has been a great... Uh, and my worst investments, I only own two Chinese companies and they're both my worst investments. I, I mean, we talked about Neo, um, yeah. but then I, uh, back when I first started investing, this would have been like spring of 2018, I bought into, uh, they called it like the Netflix of China. It's a, it's a stock called IQ. Back then I thought making money in the stock market was like super easy. Like anything that just uh, shoots up is just bound to keep going up. So I just you know, right when I started, I put a lot of money toward it. You know, what's even worse is that I actually told like my coworker at work about it. And uh, he actually bought into it as well. So I feel really bad. But like, as soon as both me and him put a good amount of money in it, 
the stock absolutely tanked in the three years since it has never recovered to where it where it was but I still hold it in my portfolio just to remind myself like hey you gotta like control your emotions don't ride the hype train uh and you know just because a stock went up doesn't mean it's just going to keep going up and you, you need to do like your fundamental research and not just ride the hype train yeah that usually happens to me where like if I purchase something it just goes down immediately <laughs> <laughs> you said you work in the software industry. Like, do you have any like career advice for those that are just getting started in that field? Yeah. So one advice would be, would be to, you know, just push through it on school wise, because a lot of the school, you know, the, the engineering or even just computer science in general, they'll make the classes very hard. And, you know, they they basically do them like the weed out classes. But if you get through that, when you get to the actual uh, workforce, like it's, it's way easier. And there's so much stuff that you learn. And it's actually really fun. Uh, a lot of the times, like right now, when I go to work, like, I don't even realize that it's already five o'clock. Uh, <laughs> because I guess right now, because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. A lot of the classes that you'll do is they'll probably put you to do like C++ or C. Uh, you'll actually get to do some really cool languages. Uh, and either depending on the company you work on, but uh, just continue going through and just watch YouTube videos on pro programming. Uh, it'll, it'll get a lot easier as you go. And the more you do on projects. Yeah, no, I feel like the, the learning on YouTube that like never ends. I feel like YouTube has more educational content than going to actually going to actually be in college. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a platform that's just going to continue to grow and grow over time. Is that kind of what made you want to start a YouTube channel? Well, that as well, because I started investing and I wanted to keep myself accounted to. And I was like, hey, if I tell myself that I'm going to, you know, post a video once a week with what I invested in and what I did, mm -hmm. then I, I'm going to help, you know, hold myself accountable for that. And somehow it started working. So some people actually like it and they watch it now. So <laughs> thanks to all my subscribers for that I, I felt like when I first started I was like even if I just have even like 10 people ever watch my videos I think I would be more than okay with that so I mean yeah uh, for me as well it's kind of like what you said it's just it just kind of holds me accountable and I, I really like talking about like fi personal finance just in my personal life it's it's hard to talk about it because it's kind of like a taboo subject so usually you don't go around just like you know hey guys I, you know, I just bought like a thousand dollars of uh, you know realty income. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really like the YouTube community because it's like a place to chat about stocks and what you're into um, that you might not be able to get, you know, in, in the real world. Yeah. And the, yeah, the other thing about that is like, I have, I guess, just from the people that follow me, you know, and they always have like feedback in the comment section and stuff like, uh, it's like always super exciting to like have a conversation with them. Because you know, like my fiance, if I try to talk to her about stocks, she's like, ah, you know, <laughs> and like the people in the comment sections are like always excited to, to either watch my videos or like talk about stocks or be like, hey, uh, you should check this out or this is what I'm doing. And I'm like, that's really cool ideas, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's just having that community. And, you know, I don't know if you got the chance to check out my latest video is actually about how um, you might have seen her like on the news. Her name is like Bad Baby. She was the girl that was on Dr. Phil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't, for some reason, I didn't get your notification. But yeah, I, I saw somebody else, that, you know, post something about that. 
Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's no shock that the YouTube algorithm didn't promote it. <laughs> but um, anyway, it was it was about like, you know, she just turned 18 this past week and she did an OnlyFans and she's already made over a million dollars from literally just posting photos of herself. Like in, you, you and me talk about like, you know, our careers and, you know, putting in them long hours and she has made more than we may combined, uh, you know, just for posting like, you know, photos of herself. So it's just kind of crazy, you know, like, you know, certain well, professions. Well, what's crazy is that that's like a recurring monthly $1 million, most likely, you know? Yeah, because um, she's charging people $23 every month to say, uh, to be a subscriber. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy, man. Uh, what are we doing wrong, man? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, if you want, like, we should, you know, start an OnlyFans <laughs> together, like, start charging people. <laughs> No, but I mean, so like, you know, what are, what are investing sensei's like future goals and ambitions? Uh, are you planning on getting into real estate? I think you said in one of your videos that you, you, you are starting to, you know, do that path as well. Yeah. So, well, the real estate one portion is more like, uh, so I proposed to my, I guess my fiance now this and what at the new year's. So now we're trying to like just look for a house or either some land so that we can build a house but it would be more for you know a house that we would live in i feel like uh wait is are you going to be doing uh like a new construction yeah most likely but it all depends we're still trying to like figure out what we want to do there okay no no congrats on that yeah thanks uh i mean right now like houses there's so much um demand but there's no supply almost and so like the prices are ridiculous right now <laughs> yeah i know for me like i you know just for fun i feel like this is a sign of being an adult is that you spend more time on like redfin and zillow than you do on like actual social media um but yeah every time i look at like houses now i could have looked at that house just a few months ago but the price range has, has just skyrocketed you know they didn't do anything to enhance the house just because of the way the market is it, it's went up like 50k in just three months for you just just the way the market is it's it's crazy yeah and like lumber right now like if we were to build a house like it's super expensive the price of lumber is really high i'm sure that uh that ship that got stuck in the Suez canal didn't help (laughs) oh yeah probably not (laughs) so you know for you like what age are you kind of targeting that fire goal at kind of stay conservative and say like 45 I wanted to do 35, but I, since I'm going to be getting married and I don't think I could pay a house in, you know, five years, seven years or so. So I'm going to say 40 by, by 40, I want to be able to retire. I, I think really my Weeble portfolio is going to really help a lot. Cause I think that thing's going to just snowball in a couple of years. Yeah. So 40 is actually my fire goal as well. I feel like you want to always seek, be secure in the future, right? So you don't want to retire too early. And then like later in life, you know, it might be too late, but at the same time, you also don't want to retire too late. Cause then, you know, e- even now at 24, I have a hard time, like <laughs> just walking around, you know, like who knows where I might be in 40 years, you know, there's things I want to see and enjoy. So, you know, I'm sure you got that in the back of your mind as well. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're super young. You're 24. You're like, what, uh, four years younger than me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think, I think 40 is a good age. Uh, But, you know, also like when we say retire, I'm sure like, you know, for me, like I'm always, 
I'm always engaged in something. So just, you know, just because I might not, not have that nine to five anymore, I'm, I'm still probably going to be like, you know, looking for the next best you know, deal investment opportunity. Uh, maybe I'll just work part-time at like, you know, Starbucks barista, uh, you know, cause I think like just sitting at home and doing nothing is also like bad for you, like, you know, well-being as well. Yeah. And I don't think that even if I was to like reach fire, I don't think from my personal self, like, I don't think that I, I could actually stop working. So I, I, I even my fiance says that I'm kind of addicted to work because, you know, <laughs> I work a nine to five job. And then at the, at the restaurant that I work, um, I work Thursday night, Friday night, and then Saturday I go in from nine, I work from 9am to 9pm. And so usually typically Sunday is my only day off, but that's usually when I record the Sunday uh, portfolio update video. Yeah. So I think, I think you're pretty unique in that you work two jobs, which honestly, of all the people that I think I've ever talked to that have worked uh, like full-time, like nine to five, I think you're the only one that I've ever met that has like another job on top of it. What kind of motivate, and I know you're not strapped for cash. So like, what kind of motivated you to do that? I don't know. I'm just, you know, the times that I've, uh, I've stayed at home and either if I watch Netflix, I feel so horrible if I ever do that because I'm not, I'm not sure. Just, I don't feel like good afterwards. You know, it's cool to like bench watch like a series. It's not something that I feel happy, but I feel, I feel good once I'm like, you know, working and staying active. So I think like, even if I was to reach fire, I'd probably continue doing like YouTube and probably doing some other stuff. Now, if we're still both doing YouTube, if YouTube even exists 15 years from now, like that would just be insane. Just looking at like our prior videos and like portfolio balances. Yeah. And that was actually one of the other reasons why I I started a YouTube channel, because I just wanted to see like, you know, 10 years from now, like when I look, you know, like, oh, look at that uh, 30,000 portfolio that you had at that point, you know, compared to like what I have now, you know, like all the compounding and it's like super nice just seeing, uh, you know, showing somebody else like, look, here's where I started. Look where I'm at now. You know, you can do it as well. You just need time on your side. Oh, yeah, I definitely know what you're talking about. Even like, I think my earliest video I put out, my portfolio had like $7,000 in it. And, you know, I'm, I'm almost at $90,000. So uh, just to see, like, even like, look back at those videos and like, you know, even like my logic that I was using back then and to see like how much I've grown is it's pretty crazy. Um, so I think you actually mentioned this in your last video is that you said, I heard somebody else mention this as well, is that it is getting to that first $100,000 is like super hard. But I've heard that afterwards, you know, then the compounding really starts to take effect and it, it gets, you know, you to those different milestones a lot quicker than it was before. Like, I kind of want to hear like, what's your take on that? Yeah. So like, I, I think that, yeah, I, I, completely agree with that like I think the hardest thing is starting and like continuing it until you get to a certain point like my goal right now I think that if I get to like 40 percent of so I guess just so everybody knows is I'm trying to get my my m1 portfolio to a a million so um that's kind of like right now I'm at 160,000 or so Mm -hmm. so that's about 16 percent the way there and so I think that once I get to like about 40 percent after that, that compounding is just going to take off and I'm going to reach the other, what, 60% a lot quicker, like very soon, you know. Have you ever watched uh, Dr. Dividend? 
No. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he was this YouTuber actually when I first started uh, investing. I watched a lot of his videos, but his portfolio had like a hundred thousand dollars in it, and today it's now worth like seven hundred thousand dollars on Robinhood. Uh, so he 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 just kind of goes through his like portfolio and what he's buying and selling. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what inspired me to actually start a YouTube channel as well, uh, just to see like his growth. I also watch uh, Benji on YouTube. His portfolio grows so much every time, like I watch like a new video of his. So I don't know how much of that is is him actually just adding to it or how much of that is just the compounding going out of control. No, I think, I think Benji keeps adding money on his, because I know he was like buying like a lot of Apple at one point. And so like, that's obviously going to help, you know, long-term to compound a lot quicker but I, I think a lot of it was uh he was adding a lot of money towards it yeah it's definitely yeah it's definitely the compounding and the adding to it uh that benji's doing uh, also like joseph carlson his portfolio uh is, is also just skyrocketing I'm, I'm i mean i'm sure he makes a lot of money on youtube these days but uh i think it's still like a realistic you know tangible goal that the average person can attain uh, even if it's maybe at a slower rate than like Benji and Dr. Dividend and Joseph Carlson are doing it at. Yeah. And I think like, if you set yourself milestones, like, Hey, this year I want to get to, even if you have a small account, let's say you start with a hundred dollars and you're like, Hey, by the end of the year, I want to have a thousand dollars in my portfolio by the next year, those $1,000, you're going to have a goal for like, Hey, I want to make this a $5,000 portfolio. And even just, you know, even if you contribute a little bit every week, like, you're going to get yourself in that mindset of like, hey, should I really be spending this on stuff that I don't really need? And you're going to start saving and putting that because, you you know, you're going to want to get to that goal. So you're going to actually be investing more. And so it's really nice. You know, eventually you'll get to like the six figure, which was like a super exciting thing for me when I ever hit it. And then now I'm going for, you know, I'm going to try to get to the 500,000. And I know in a few years that I'll get it to it. It's, it's just crazy. Like just keep, you know, setting these different milestones and, you know, just keep marking them off your list. You know, even just on YouTube, like you might get discouraged. Like even sometimes maybe when I look at your portfolio, I'm like, man, he's like leaving me in his dust. But at the same time, like us being in this YouTube community, we're like light years ahead of most, you know, typical Americans or investors. So, you know, you shouldn't ever like feel down on yourself as long as you're, you know, trying to be, you know, positive and, you know, trying to do the best, like, for your financial situation. Yeah, I mean, I think even if you just invest some, like you're good. Even if uh cuz I have a subscriber that, you know, he was telling me about how he he's almost at the six figure mark as well, you know. Yeah. And there's another his neighbors are basically, you know, they spend most of their money on uh, cosmetic stuff and like anything that they want and like they don't really have anything saved up so like when stuff breaks like they're like either you know either borrowing money or they're like panicking about it and like he's over there just like pouring in money because he's you know investing like in dividend companies and they're paying them every month and he's just creating general uh generational wealth yeah, that, I mean, that's what it's all about. I know, like, even one of my uh, subscribers was like, yeah, somebody like I had an inheritance, like, of like $50,000. That's a great foundation to start off with. You know, my, my parents, uh, you know, they didn't pass on anything to me. But you know, I'm not discouraged, because like, that just motivates me to work even harder uh, in life. So well, it also um, makes you sure that you know, you're putting your money in something that you believe in, because you're like, this is money I went to go work for and put my time that I'm never going to get back, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess we could spend it on uh, OnlyFans, $23. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, the well, you know, last question I have for you is, you know, like, what's what do you feel like is one, you know, fun fact that, you know, you, the viewers really need to know about Investing Sensei? Um, so if you guys like the logo on my YouTube channel, I actually drew that and I scanned it and did it on GIMP which I learned GIMP how to do that. If you guys don't like it, I didn't do it. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I was going to say about is uh, in case you guys uh, kind of paid attention to the bull, you know, it's uh, the reason why it's called like investing sensei. It's, it's, it's a uh, martial artist and it's a bull because it's, we're going to go upwards every time because our passive, you know, income is always going to go up uh, no matter even, you know, a bear market goes down, we're still generating that income and it's still uh, creating more and more every single week wow i i feel dumb because i never actually noticed the the bull is like a symbolic of the stock market yeah <laughs> uh also question for you is sensei related to because like you like in your personal life do you do like karate or something no i want to be a sensei of investing one day oh gotcha multi-purpose for the word <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I mean, thanks. Thanks for being my first ever guest here on, you know, the collect cash podcast. Uh, you know, my viewers know where to find you at and, uh, you know, we're going to keep in touch over these, you know, hopefully prosperous next couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's been an honor to have you and, you know, they can always find you here on YouTube. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. That was a uh, really fun. Hope you guys enjoyed that discussion with investing sensei. His channel information is down below. He makes great videos on portfolio reveals, options trading. So chances are, if you like my videos, you're going to be loving his videos. Be sure that you've hit that like button and are subscribed. I also want to hear your feedback on if I should make more videos like this in the future.